0: Good morning, I'm Rob Corwin. I'm the director of outreach and children's ministry here at Faith. So I had a, a great joke planned for this morning about how I got to preach the first Sunday when Kevin was away on his sabbatical and how that was clearly a sign that I'm second to Pastor Kevin. But Jim stole my glory last week as you know, he had to fill in for Pastor Kevin. Uh, No, but I'm, I'm thankful that Jim was able to fill in for Pastor Kevin last week, and I'm glad I have this chance to preach this morning. And thankfully, Pastor Kevin has already begun to enjoy his sabbatical. And over the next few months, as Pastor Kevin is away on his sabbatical, we'll get to hear from a variety of preachers. So when the opportunity came for me to preach today, I got to choose any passage to preach from. So immediately I knew which passage I wanted to preach from. I wanted to preach from Matthew 11:25 25 through 30. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to that passage. And if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 966. Now, Matthew 11:25 25 through 30, is one of the most important passages in all of scripture to me because it serves as a constant reminder to me that my worth, And my value in the eyes of God does not rest in my ability to do good things and good works, but my value in the eyes of God rests entirely on the grace that he gives me through Jesus. So follow along with me as I read from Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. "'because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned "'and revealed them to little children. "'Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. "'All things have been committed to me by my Father. "'No one knows the Son except the Father, "'and no one knows the Father except the Son "'and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. Your word has power, Lord, to break down the pride in our hearts and lead us back to you Father, remind us today that our worth does not depend on our own good deeds or our own religious performance. Remind us through your word today that our only hope is the grace that you have given to us through Jesus. Help us to understand your grace today. Help us to see how you give us that grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Scotty Smith is a well-known pastor and writer in our denomination. And in one of his books, Scotty opens up to share more about his story as a child. Now, when Scotty was 14 years old, he was walking down the hallway of his high school on his way to the freshman lockers with a group of peers and friends. And as a 14-year-old, all the normal fears and insecurities coursed through his body. And just before rounding the corner outside the athletic department, Scotty saw the head football coach coming towards him. And Scotty knew the coach, not because Scotty was on the football team, but because him and the football coach had lived next to each other. Now, Scotty thought, okay, this will be cool. Coach will greet me by name, and some of my friends who are with me will be impressed that he knows me on a first-name basis. This could be good. So the coach stopped in front of Scotty, but instead of extending a hand for a handshake, or instead of asking how Scotty was finding his way around, the coach stopped in front of Scotty, looked him over from head to toe, looked him straight in the eyes and said, I'd be so ashamed to have a body like yours. And then he walked off. To humiliate Scotty in this way, it left him feeling objectified and humiliated. For Scotty, his shame was so unbearable that it launched him into a deep obsession with losing weight. So Scotty started barely eating anything. He started running scores of miles, and he lost, he began losing weight and began building bulk. And then his friends, as they saw him building that bulk and losing weight, they gave him the new nickname, Meatball. But in response to Scotty's shame, Scotty began the hunt for acceptance that left him feeling restless. The more he would perform, the more he would be valued and accepted by others. Scotty felt restless because his worth was tied to his performance. This restless reality that Scotty lived in of trying to prove his worth through his performance... It's the same reality that so many of us live in. Do you feel restless today? Do you feel burdened? Do you feel you have a constant need to prove your worth through your performance? I imagine that for a lot of you, the answer to that question is absolutely, absolutely yes. Because the reality is, this is the world we live in. The world we live in values and accepts us more and more the more that we perform. It's in our workplaces. The more we do for our employer, the more that we will be rewarded and promoted. It's in our marriages. The more our spouse does for me, the more I will love them in return. It's in our friendships, it's in our families, and in reality, it's even in the church today. The world we live in communicates value upon performance. And because we live in this reality, we approach God boasting in our good deeds, trying to prove our worth to him. But today, as we look at Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30, we're going to see that our value in the eyes of God does not rest in our religious performance But instead, our value in the eyes of God rests entirely upon the grace that he freely gives us through Jesus Christ. So as we look at Matthew 11, we're going to see three different ways that God shows us grace in this passage. First, we're going to see that grace is for the humble. Second, we'll see that grace is given through Jesus. And third, we will see how grace gives us rest for our souls. So let's start by looking at verses 25 through 26 to see how grace is given to the humble. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Now, to understand what Jesus is saying here in verses 25 through 26, we need to ask three questions about these verses. what is hidden? Who are the wise and learned? And who are the little children? Here in verse 25, Jesus says that there's something that is hidden from the, the wise and learned, something they cannot see, they cannot grasp, they cannot understand. Yet this hidden thing is revealed to little children. Well, to see our, the answer to this question of what is hidden, we have to look at verse 27. Look with me at verse 27. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. All right, now to really piece things together here and what Jesus is saying in verse 27, you kind of have to slow down a little bit. So Jesus is saying, okay, no one knows Jesus except God the Father. All right, got it. No one knows God the Father except Jesus. Got it. And those to whom Jesus chooses to reveal God to. See, the only ones who truly know God are those who Jesus re- who, those who Jesus reveals God to. Jesus is using this language of revealed. To show us what is hidden in verse 25. The thing that is hidden in verse 25 is true saving knowledge of God. That's the answer to our first question. What is hidden is true saving knowledge and understanding of God. Our second question is who are the wise and the learned? Well, to answer this question, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of those who would have been there originally with Jesus when he said these things. We need to immerse ourselves in the culture of the time. And if we were to hear Jesus say these things and say wise and learned, our minds would have immediately went to the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, these religious leaders would go so far above and beyond the religious standard of the time. No one, no one was more knowledgeable of God's law than them. No one performed God's law better than, and them. Their entire lives were dedicated to knowing and practicing his law perfectly. So if anyone was wise, if anyone was learned at that time, it was these religious leaders. And as Jesus said this, people were, and people were thinking about the wise and learned being the, the religious leaders. They would say, wow, wow, they must be the most valuable to God. Look at all they have done for God. Yet here, in our passage, Jesus says they don't even know God. Despite all their religious performance, their prayers, their sacrifices, their ability to follow God's law so closely and so perfectly, they don't even know God. Who knows God? Little children. What is Jesus saying? When Jesus said little children, what is he talking about? What what does he mean when he says this? Well, when I was in seminary, I was studying this passage, and I was looking at this, this word for little children. So I asked my Greek professor about it. And he looked at me, and he said, babes. It could literally be translated babes. So I thought about saying to you today, knowledge of God is revealed to babes. Then I thought about it again for a minute, and I said, you know what? Let's go with infants. Infants, that's better. Knowledge of God is revealed to infants. I don't want there to be any confusion as to what I'm saying here, but this is what Jesus is saying. The wise and the learned, those who have their long list of religious accolades and performance to boast in before God, those who in our worldly eyes would be the most valuable to God, they don't even know God. Who knows God? infants. Many of you who know me know that I am a dad. I have two little girls and a baby on the way in October, and my wife and I, we just found out we're having a baby boy this October, so we are very excited about that. Now one of the things that I have experienced as a father when that child is first born is that that child, that newborn child, is completely and in every way dependent upon its parents, right? I mean, the only thing that child knows how to do is cry out, wow, like a scream and scream, basically saying, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I need. All I know is that I need something and I need you to give it to me. And then you as that parent, you're holding that baby and you're thinking, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you need. Help, right? You're saying the same things. But here, this picture that Jesus is giving us of an infant, this is the picture of the one who truly knows God. It's not the wise and the learned with their religious performance to boast in its infants. It's those who are utterly and entirely dependent upon someone else. It's those who can do nothing for themselves. It's those who have absolutely nothing to boast in before him. Those who acknowledge their sin. It's those whose lives are a mess. They are the ones, they are the ones who truly know God. And you see, because we live in a world that demands performance for our value and acceptance, We often feel that we have to have some sort of religious performance to bring to God. And when we hold on to that religious performance, to those good deeds, as our confidence before God, we fail to know Him and His grace. If you want to truly know God, then you must lay aside your pride. You must lay aside your good deeds. You must lay aside your achievements, and you must approach God as a broken, fallen sinner. As one who acknowledges that you have fallen short of his expectations, just humble yourself, humble yourself and acknowledge that in reality you have nothing to boast in before a holy and perfect God, because you see, if we can never have rest for our souls if our value in the eyes of God is based on our religious performance and good deeds right? Because we will be driven to do more and more and more, to be more and more valued in God's eyes. We are taking the value system of the world and applying it to how God values us. And if we live this way, we, just like Scotty Smith, will feel restless because our value is based on our performance rather than God's grace. Come to Jesus as an infant today. As one that doesn't have any good deeds to boast in, as one who is acknowledging your sin, as one who is crying out to God for help, lay aside your good deeds, your religious performance, so you can have rest for your soul. Grace is for the humble. And we also see that grace... Is given through Jesus look with me again at verse 27 all things have been committed to me by my father no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal to him according to this verse who has the power to reveal the knowledge of God Jesus. Who is the one who chooses who knows God and who doesn't? Jesus. See, our knowledge of God rests entirely upon the authority Jesus has to choose who he reveals God to. Jesus chooses who gets to truly know God. And that means we are completely dependent on his grace. Now, this reality that Jesus chooses who gets to know God, now that is something that's really, really hard for us to grasp and to come to terms with. You know, because we want to think that if we do all the right things, we can have full assurance that God would accept and save us. Now, don't you see, though, that if if that were the case, then you would have something to boast in before God. And if you have something to boast in before God for your salvation, you are making God's grace cheaper than what it really is. Earlier this year in Faith Kids Club, our Wednesday night programming for kids, We're taking 10 weeks to learn who God is. And one of those weeks, we learned that God is kind. Now, to teach this principle, I taught from Ephesians 2. So let me read a few verses from Ephesians 2 to you this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, In Christ Jesus. This passage shows us the kindness of God because every single one of us were completely dead in our sin. Unable to make ourselves spiritually alive, having no good deeds to set ourselves apart from the other spiritually dead. All of us had an equal status before God as dead in our sin, but God being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. You see, this is how we know God's kindness. This is how we know God's grace. We all have an equal status before God, and Jesus chooses who to make spiritually alive. When it's Jesus's choice, we depend on his grace and if we depend on his grace rather than our own good work then we can experience the full grace of god now as i was wrestling with how to communicate this to the kids at faith kids club i was trying to think of a way to illustrate this to the kids so what i did i had a child come up front and i had a hundred dollar bill and i knew better than to use a real hundred dollar bill when working with kids so i had a a fake hundred dollar bill And as this child was there, I just said, here you go, it's yours, go have a seat. They took it and they're a little skeptical and they just said, okay, and they went and sat down. And then I had another child come up and I had another $100 bill. I said, I have a $100 bill for you, but, but before I give you this $100 bill, you need to do 10 perfect jumping jacks. So the child does 10 jumping jacks and then I say, all right, you know, I, you need to do 10 spins in a circle on one foot without falling over. So the child spins in a circle 10 times on one foot, doesn't fall over. And I look at them and I say, all right, you've done good enough. Here's your $100 bill. Go have a seat. And then I ask the kids, who experienced more kindness from me? I'm not kidding. Every single one of their hands will boop pointed to that first child. It was obvious to all of those kids there that that first child, who we did nothing to receive that gift, experienced more kindness than the child who had to do something to earn it. You see, we experience the fullness of God's kindness, the fullness of His grace. Because we have done absolutely nothing to earn it. God's grace is worth so much more when we have done nothing. And God's grace is cheaper when we claim to have done something to earn it. The only way that we can experience the fullness of God's grace is as if we are all equally dead in our sin, having the same status before God, having nothing to boast in, not even in the littlest thing for our salvation. When it's Jesus' choice as to who gets to truly know God, then we can rest. You see, because we rest in his gracious work rather than our own. See, what would we be resting in if we had to do something first for Jesus to then choose us? There'd always be part of our own work, right? Our own good deeds that are dependent on us. And we wouldn't be able to have full rest for our souls if we had to do something for our salvation, something for God to choose us and be gracious to us. We couldn't rest. But what would we be resting in if we had nothing to do for Jesus to choose us. We'd be resting in his grace. We would be completely and entirely resting upon his free grace. And do you see how this gives us rest? We can have complete rest for our souls because God has given us grace through Jesus while we were all dead in our sin. We have nothing to boast in before God the Father other than the grace we've received through Jesus Christ. And praise God. Praise God for that because if that is true, then we can actually and fully have rest for our souls. You see, when we really understand what Jesus is saying in verses 25 through 27, see, that's when we can fully understand what he's saying here in verse 28, when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, this shows us our last point, that grace gives us rest for our soul. Now, let's place ourselves back in the shoes of those who would have originally been there with Jesus when he said these things. And let's picture these religious leaders at the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the ones who set the bar for religious performance, right? And they had begun to communicate to all of God's people that in order to truly know God and be accepted by him, you had to perform all the rituals. They were communicating that the better you were at following God's laws, the more you would be accepted and valued by God. So for them... If you wanted to be accepted by God, you needed to do X, Y, Z to prove your worth. If that's the case, what does religion become? A burden, a burden. If our value is based on our performance, our ability to accomplish the law, then religion will always be a burden. And this is exactly what the religious leaders were doing at the time for God's people. They had turned religion into a self-righteous, performance-based value system. And because of that, God's people did not have rest for their souls, and God's people did not fully understand the richness of his grace. And here in this passage, Jesus uses this image of a yoke to give us a picture of this burden. Now, for us, you know, we don't spend a whole lot of time around animals and carts and that sort of thing. But in Jesus' time, this would have been a common image for people. It's an image that the more that is in that load, the heavier that yoke is, the heavier that burden. You see, the religious leaders of the time had set the standard so high as to how people were valued and accepted by God that the burden had become a tremendous weight for people to carry. It was so heavy that religion had become a burden rather than a joy. It had become a self-righteous work rather than a rest in God's grace. And Jesus shows up and he just says, away with this. Away with all of these unnecessary burdens. Come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus, rather than saying, you need to do X, Y, Z to prove your worth to me, he says, come to me as you are. Anyone is able to come to me. Anyone is able to come to Jesus because you don't have to do X, Y, Z to prove your worth to God. He says, come to me as you are, a sinner, broken, whose life is a mess, as one who has no religious performance to boast in. And you can have rest. You can have rest for your soul. You see, We can have rest because our worth in the eyes of God does not rest in our ability to do XYZ to prove our worth. Our worth in the eyes of God rests entirely upon the performance of Jesus Christ. You see, the bar was too high for any of us to be worthy in God's eyes. Only Jesus has achieved that religious standard. Jesus, and only Jesus, has the perfect performance before God, and as we come to Jesus as humble sinners, acknowledging our sin and desperate need for God's grace, we receive his perfect performance through faith and faith alone. When we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, We are united with Christ in a way in which we are clothed in his righteousness, clothed in his perfect performance. And we have nothing, we have nothing to boast in before God the Father other than the grace that we have received through Jesus Christ, other than the perfect performance that we have through Jesus Christ. My encouragement for you who are here today and you are in Christ, my encouragement for you is to rest. Rest in the grace that you have received through Jesus. And if you are here today and you feel as though that your only confidence before God is that you have done enough good things to set yourself apart from anyone else, then my encouragement for you today Lay it aside. Lay aside your good deeds. Come before God as an infant, as one who acknowledges your sin and your desperate need for his help. You see, just like Scotty Smith felt restless because he had to prove his worth through his performance, we too will feel restless until we rest in the grace that we have received through Jesus. And when we acknowledge that the only boast, the only boast we have before God is the grace we have received through Jesus, then we can approach God boldly, crying, hallelujah, hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, the only boast I have before holy God is Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and you can have rest for your souls. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we confess that we so often feel the need to bring our good deeds before you to find value in your eyes. Remind us today, Lord, of the grace that we have received in Jesus Christ. Remind us of the joy we have that you have given us that grace that we have done nothing to earn it and we can boast fully, not in our own good deeds, but because you have been gracious to us, a sinner. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in what you've done for us, to know it more fully. Help us today to come before you as infants, crying out in our need for you, boasting in nothing but the grace we have received from you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.